Welcome to the American Valor Podcast, a section of the Active Valor Award Foundation. The foundation is the unique intersection of Major League Baseball, the United States Navy, and Marine Corps, representing the 37 Baseball Hall of Famers who served in World War II, led by Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller. The foundation's mission is to educate the younger generation about the honor, courage, and commitment of the greatest generation. Our goal is to help our country become a little stronger. My name is Nathaniel Cameron from Ohio University. My name is Tyler Buckholtz from James Madison University. We are interns for the Active Valor Award Foundation, recognizing and honoring those Americans who support our service men and women by means of the Bob Feller story to educate the youth of today on lessons of citizenship, service to one's country, sacrifice in times of great national need and legacy. Unfortunately, our other co-host, Colin, is uh, sick and is unable to join us. But today we are excited for our fourth conversation of the American Valor Podcast. Today we are honored to be joined by Lieutenant General George Flynn. George Flynn is a three-star general with more than 38 years in the United States Marine Corps, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Lieutenant General Flynn has a master's degree in national security and strategy as well as international relations and sits on the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation Board of Directors. Lieutenant General Flynn, thank you for taking time to join us on the American Valor Podcast. If you will, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from New Jersey. Upon graduation from high school, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend the Naval Academy. And upon graduation, I took my commission in the Marine Corps. I didn't know that I'd, I'd be able to serve for 38 years, but I had the honor of uh, being a Marine and still a Marine and uh, serving with some uh, great men and women. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, comes out about it, I'm an artillery officer by trade. Uh, that was my assigned occupational specialty, and I've had tours all around the world, and I'm just happy to be a part of the uh, Active Valor Foundation. So do you want to go into a little bit of how uh, you got involved with the foundation to start? Uh, I got involved in the foundation, believe it or not, by a a classmate from the Naval Academy by the name of uh, Vice Admiral Jay Donnelly, who who uh, asked me if I would be willing to serve on the board to help out uh, Peter and the rest of the crew in advancing the cause of the Active Valor Foundation, especially since uh, we also honor Jerry Coleman uh, each year, who uh, was a great Marine, uh, great baseball player for the New York Yankees, announcer for the San Diego Padres, and uh, a Marine fighter pilot. So for those of us who might not know, what does it mean to be a Lieutenant General? Well, first of all, it's an honor. Uh, not many people get to rise to that rank, but it also means that you had a lot of help along the way and that you were able to succeed in a chosen career path and, and you basically achieved success in that. Uh, but I'd have to say all the credit for getting to where I was had, had to do with the fact that I had some great great Marines that I served with, both my uh, superiors, my peers, and also the Marines I was privileged to lead. Before asking any questions, I want to say thank you for your service to our country and taking the time to be with us today, General Flynn. I've enjoyed studying and learning about your career this past week, and thank you for taking the time to share some of your wisdom with us today. But as we've been uh, preparing for the interview, I'm currently taking a managerial economics class. And in a recent chapter on making decisions with uncertainty, we discussed uh, the difference between risk and uncertainty. 
And at the end of the chapter, the book ends with a quote that I found fitting from the U.S. Marines. Because we can never eliminate uncertainty, we must learn to fight effectively despite it. We can do this by developing simple, flexible plans, planning for likely contingencies, developing standing operating procedures, and fostering initiative among subordinates. And this is from the Warfighting Manual of the Marines. My question for you, General, is what does uncertainty mean to you? And how do the Marines continue to effectively carry out the mission of defending the people of the United States in an uncertain world? Well, in, a, in the world we live in, nothing is ever going to be 100% certain. You're never going to have 100% information. And all you can do is when you're executing an operation or executing a plan is to make sure that you've taken all the steps to understand the, the risk involved, understand what you don't know, and be able to deal with the inevitable issue of friction that'll come into execution, as well as the fog of uncertainty. And the way you overcome that is by training your team to a high standard, empowering them to act, but most importantly, uh, giving them clear guidance and intent so that in the absence of having to ask what they should do, they are empowered to take action on their own and that allows them to be able to operate at the speed of the problem and to be over, able to overcome uncertainty. Because if they know the direction that they're supposed to go, they will make decisions that will be consistent with that direction and they will make it in a timely manner. So you just talked about direction um, and following that path, um, but that all comes from the leadership around you. How would you define leadership and what do you think is the most important quality of a leader? I believe that the most in, important quality of leader of a leader is that you have to understand that uh, if you're going to be a leader, the most important characteristic that you can have is integrity. No one's going to follow anybody who they can't trust. And unless you can prove to people that you are a person worthy of their trust in so many ways, then you're not a leader. And I'd also have to tell you that the cost of leadership is self-interest. It's not about you. It's about the men and women you're privileged to lead. Can you name a person um, who has had a large impact on you as a leader in, in your career or in your life? Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it'd be real hard to name a specific individual. So many come to mind. And that's why you know I'm hesitant to name a specific person. I'd like to just say that I developed or evolved as a leader over time because I had the privilege of serving with some great folks, both the people I led who I learned from, uh, my peers who willingly shared their good ideas with me, and the superiors that I worked for who, who gave me good guidance, who gave me a lot of good direction, but most importantly, gave me the opportunity to make mistakes, which in most cases they viewed as learning experiences, which allowed me to evolve as a leader and to achieve the the success that I did in serving our country. You just mentioned you want to say that you developed as a good leader independently. Do you think that leaders are born or do you think, you know, they develop? It's the, the idea of nurturing versus nature in terms of being a leader. I, I believe that you, you evolve as a leader. I believe anybody who wants to be a leader can be a leader. And I believe that your, your leadership growth is evolutionary with revolutionary moments where all of a sudden you jump to the next level. So there are, in my mind, there are three levels of leadership. A level one leader 
is someone who is followed because people have to because they've been given positional authority. You evolve as a leader and you eventually, hopefully, you'll get to be a level two leader where people follow you because they trust you. And when they trust you, the important thing is that they will uh, take a risk for you because they, they trust that you will uh, understand that they took that risk in, in the best interest of the mission. And you've really made it as a leader, again, as you evolve by the fact that people follow you because they believe in you. And when they believe in you, not only will they take a risk for you, they will sacrifice for you. And the way you do that is you have to be able to build trusted relationships with people. And the way you build trusted relationships is, first of all, you have to be a person of integrity. Nobody's going to follow anybody who they can't, who they can't trust. You also have to be competent in the field that you're operating in. Uh, the other part is you have to be compassionate. And you also have to be consistent in your approach to people. And most importantly, you also have to be empathetic. You have to be willing to place yourself in the shoes of others. You, you've obviously have a lot of thoughts on leadership that you've learned throughout your career. What are some other things that your career serving our nation has taught you? Uh, the, I think the most important thing is that uh, you get great satisfaction and great um, value in life by serving in an organization that is all about being a part of a team that has a, a very aspirational mission. And also by being a part of, of something that is greater than yourself. Again, serving a greater good. You know, when young men and women make the decision to join the Marine Corps, there really are no promises made other than the fact that we'll give you an opportunity to be a Marine. And when you make the team, you're part of a, an elite fighting force whose sole, sole mission is to protect our nation and to take on the hardest task under the hardest conditions. So there's a, a lot of satisfaction in that. And I have to tell you that since uh, 2001 and in the aftermath of 9-11, I can't say enough about this generation of young men and women who have consistently volunteered to serve and have deployed over and over again in service of a greater good. And that's where the real satisfaction comes in. You know, when you're part of an organization like the Marine Corps, you really have it right if you truly believe that the reason you're there is to serve a greater good. Just like Bob Feller and Jer Jerry Coleman did. If you had the opportunity to, to do everything over again, is, is there anything that you would do differently? Well, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I would have made some of the bonehead mistakes that I made along the way, but I, I really wouldn't change anything. I've, 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 had a, I've had a great career. I had great opportunities. Um, and I, I, I can't look back and say, gee, I, I wish I hadn't have done that. I, I really don't have any of those regrets. Uh, I wish maybe I had evolved a little bit faster as a leader because I'm sure I've made some leadership mistakes along the way. But... Um, not really. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you that I, I really have any regrets. So do you have any advice for a young person today? Like you mentioned, uh, after 9-11, many young men and women are stepping up to join the armed forces, um, and they're looking to become leaders. Uh, you said, you know, maybe you made a, a bonehead mistake or two when you were a younger leader. Do you have any advice for them overcoming those mistakes um, and continuing development? Well, I would... I would tell people never to be afraid to stick your neck out. 
or to or to try to or or to be timid in your approach to life you, you know we talked a little bit earlier about uncertainty and risk so what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to understand the situation you're in so that you can effectively operate at the speed of of your environment around you and for all you young uh young folks you know you're in a very uh fast-paced environment largely driven by i guess the the digital environment and we didn't have to deal with that growing up but you do so you have to be able to make decisions quickly and the only way that you can do that is by developing a capability to quickly understand the situation that you're in and and hopefully you'll associate yourself with leaders who are going to give you the opportunity to grow uh, who are going to give you enough leeway to make mistakes that will be learning experiences but if they see you going too far off the path that they'll pull you back in before you make too big a mistake and i think that's the key thing is to associate yourself with a group of people who share your values and also uh, behave in a way that are consistent with those values. And I think you'll find a happy place to, to be a part of and to grow and to have a great future. Going off of that asking, mentioning, uh, you have to understand your challenges to overcome them. What are some of the biggest challenges that uh, I might not understand or Nathaniel um, or other citizens here um, who aren't in the military or have military family, what are the biggest challenges facing our country today, military, their family, and otherwise? I think I think one of the biggest challenges is the uncertainty of of what is going on, coupled with the fact that things happen very fast. Um, the speed of operations has exponentially increased since I first joined the military. So. You know, you can see that uh, in the news cycle, how fast news travels and or how fast fast information uh, travels. And you have to be able to operate at the speed of that information flow and also understand that many times that even though that information flow is fast, it's not as always as accurate. So there's still going to be a premium uh, that is placed on uh, on somebody being able to uh, create good judgment. judgment-based decisions, and also somebody who can quickly analyze the decision. And what a great military philosopher said, that someone would have this thing called Kujui, which is basically the inner eye. In other words, the person who can understand the situation uh, faster than the other is always going to have an advantage. When you talk about uh, decision making uh, as part of the Marines, how do the Marines evaluate decision making and how do you define success within the Marine Corps? What what does success look like within that concept? Well, success looks like very simply that you accomplish the mission, but while at the same time taking care of your people. So that's the key part. I, you know, I think the Air Force would tell you mission first, people always. I think the Marine Corps shares a philosophy, philosophy about that, is that we are um, an organization that is based on mutual trust between the Marine on your right and the Marine on your left. And when you build those relationships, it's really a unstoppable organization. And at the heart of it is attracting 
young men and women to your organization that have your values and behave in a way that are consistent with those values, not only does that create trusted relationships, it also creates an unstoppable and unbeatable organizational culture. What are some of the values you might look for? Some of the values, well, I mean, the core values of the Naval Service are honor, courage, and commitment. So you want uh, men and women who are honorable. Again, here's that integrity word again. You want people that have courage, not only physical courage, but you also want them to have moral courage. And moral courage is the ability to make the right decision uh, at the right time for the right reasons, even when your own self-interest may be at stake. And the other part is commitment. And that goes back to what I said a little bit earlier about you have to be committed to a greater cause, to uh, serving a higher purpose. And we're looking for men and women who have that ability of, who have those values of honor, courage, and commitment. And again, that's at the heart of building a strong organizational culture. What is going to uh, the Naval Academy like? Nathaniel's at Ohio University. I'm at James Madison. For those of us who don't attend, I've, I've visited actually a couple of times. But for those of us who don't attend, what is it like? Well, I think it's a little bit different. Uh, you have to make a commitment, first of all, that you're not going to have a normal college experience. The academics are pretty rigorous. You know, I had a pretty significant you know, semester load because not only do you have to take your normal academic courses, you also have to take courses that are related to the, the naval pro, uh, profession. The other part is they also have a, a lot mandatory uh, physical fitness and physical uh, physical activities that occur every day. And, you know, the everyday life of wearing a uniform every day, uh, getting sworn into your country, not having a lot of free time. You just can't go out during the week. Uh, pretty much you're, you're limited, you know, in how, how much opportunities you get to have liberty, you know, to get some time off, you know, you get a little bit more as you go progress through the and become an upperclassman. But Pretty much early on, it's a high energy, high impact, high academic environment that uh, has its challenges at, at some times, but very much prepares you for the world ahead. So you were there in 73, correct? I graduated in 1975, but I, I was there from 19, the summer of 1971 until June of 1975. The Naval Academy, when they score a touchdown... The plebes, I believe they're called, correct? Correct. Yeah, they have to do a push-up for every point scored? Correct. How happy were you that you didn't have to do 51 push-ups when you beat Army 51 to nothing? <laughs> uh, uh, well, first of all, you know, being a Marine, 51 push-ups is a walk in the park. <laughs> See, I got tired just asking you about 51 push-ups. <laughs> I'd be happy to do 51 push-ups if the other guys – if, if the army team was couldn't do any so <laughs> it all works out the right way some of the words that i i took away um, that you mentioned were integrity honor courage and commitment but the big word that we use within the foundation and on this podcast is valor so what does valor mean to you well valor is pretty simple um i think valor obviously means courage uh, but it doesn't just mean physical courage. It also means the courage to, to do what is right. And if you, if you look at, you know, Bob Feller, he had the courage to leave major B league baseball and serve his country. That really is an act of valor. Um, 
Jerry Coleman, same thing. Professional baseball player, serves in the military. So it's, it's not only the act of courage to, to take a physical risk. Valor also means the courage to do what is right for all the right reasons. And I think at the heart of it, valor means that you're willing to sacrifice in the service of others. So, Lieutenant General, I want to thank you for your service and sacrifice to our country. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us on the American Valor Podcast. We appreciate your support as a member of Team 19. And thank you again. For our listeners, thank you for listening. To learn more about the Act of Valor Foundation and the 37 Hall of Famers who served in World War II, please visit our website at www.activevalorward.org.